Welcome to the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter from the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road Podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. Now there was a certain man in Caesarea, Cornelius by name, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his house, who gave gifts for the needy generously to the people, and always prayed to God. At about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius. He, fastening his eyes on him and being frightened, said, What is it, Lord? He said to him, Your prayers and your gifts to the needy have gone up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and get Simon, who is also called Peter. He lodges with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of those who waited on him continually. Having explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now on the next day as they were on their journey and got close to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray at about noon. He became hungry and desired to eat. But while they were preparing, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and a certain container descending to him, like a great sheet let down by four corners on the earth, in which were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild animals, reptiles, and birds of the sky. A voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. A voice came to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call unclean. This was done three times, and immediately the vessel was received up into heaven. All right, today we're in Acts chapter 1. Let's go back to verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Caesarea, Cornelius by name, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all of his house, who gave gifts for the needy generously to the people, and always prayed to God. Caesarea was mainly a Roman city on the Mediterranean in Judea. This city, for example, was the headquarters of Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor over the province of Judea, who green-lighted the crucifixion of Christ. Cornelius was a centurion, meaning an officer in the Roman army. Specifically, the centurion was the commander of a centuria, probably 80 to 100 men, which was the smallest unit of a Roman legion. They were of the Italian regiment, which was a cohort of volunteer Roman soldiers recruited in Italy. So Cornelius was a Gentile, But among those, the Jews of that day, categorized as God-fearers. Now what we gather from Luke's use of the term in the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, God-fearers were probably like a step below a proselyte, which was like a full Jewish convert. Jewish rabbis of that time 
made the distinction between quote-unquote proselytes of the gate, a term mentioned in Exodus 20 verse 10, and quote-unquote proselytes of righteousness, a term originating from the rabbis. They viewed these proselytes of the gate as like half-proselytes. These half-proselytes weren't required to be circumcised and didn't have to comply with the Mosaic ceremonial law. Cornelius was a Gentile who loved the God of Israel. He supported the Jews and was sympathetic toward their religion, and yet not necessarily a practicing Jew in every way. Jews loved and respected God-fearers like Cornelius, but kind of like from a distance, since they weren't full Jewish converts. You see, they would have still viewed God-fearers as unclean, like all the other Gentiles. Jewish people couldn't share their homes and food with them. They couldn't really do life with them because God-fearers weren't full converts who were ceremonially clean according to the law. But God-fearers participated in Judaism to varying degrees. And we learn in verse 2 that Cornelius gave alms to the poor. Proverbs tells us, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. All right, moving on, starting in verse 3. At about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius. He, fastening his eyes on him and being frightened, said, What is it, Lord? He said to him, Your prayers and your gifts to the needy have gone up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and get Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who had spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of those who waited on him continually. Having explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. All right, so Cornelius received this angelic visitation around 3 p.m., which was a prayer time for the Jews. We'll learn later in the chapter from Cornelius as he converses with Peter that he was praying during that hour. Naturally, Cornelius was frightened when an angel appeared to him in a vision. While it appears he prayed often, he probably wasn't expecting something like this to ever happen. The angel tells him that his prayers and gifts had reached heaven. He was undoubtedly one who sought to know and follow the one true God. While good works don't impress God or merit our salvation, it appears Cornelius' sincere efforts to do what is right and worship God didn't go unnoticed. Jesus promised, for example, in Matthew 7, verse 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Cornelius sought out a relationship with the one true God. God found him. James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. The Lord was orchestrating the circumstances so this sincere God-seeking Gentile would get to hear the gospel and receive Jesus. We see here God supernaturally intervening to ensure Cornelius and his household were preached the good news. Notice it wasn't enough that Cornelius was a God-fearer. It wasn't enough that he gave to the poor and prayed to the one true God. 
You know, some people believe that good works can save you. Some believe that doing your best to sincerely follow God is all that He requires. But if that were the case, there would have been no need for an angel to command Cornelius to send a Joppa for Peter, right? Cornelius needed God's forgiveness just as much as any other person. Since all have sinned and no one is righteous but God alone, even a quote-unquote good person stands condemned before God outside of the saving work accomplished in and through Jesus Christ on the cross. The good news of salvation in Jesus alone must be received through faith. And how was Cornelius to hear and receive it unless someone was sent to preach? It's interesting to me to note that while God uses angels at times to be messengers on his behalf, here he delegates the privilege of declaring the gospel to Peter, not to the angel who appeared to Cornelius. Otherwise, the angel could have just shared the gospel with Cornelius in the vision. God has so chosen us to be the means through which the good news is proclaimed to the world. What a privilege and responsibility. The Apostle Paul, for example, recognized the seriousness and urgency of this responsibility and commission to proclaim the gospel when he wrote, Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Scripture declares, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. All right, moving on, starting in verse 9. Now on the next day, as they were on their journey and got close to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about noon. He became hungry and desired to eat. But while they were preparing, he fell into a trance. God is working on both ends here. Not only did Cornelius receive a vision, but so did Peter. This is often the case when God is on the move in our lives. If he's working to bring something about that requires cooperation, he'll confirm it with both parties. For example, if someone comes to you saying, God told you to marry them, Surely that matter will be confirmed with you as well. Don't let someone force or manipulate you into taking dramatic action on a matter without confirmation. Has God ever laid something on your heart, like a plan or vision, to find out later he had been planting the same desire in another as well? Or perhaps God gives you one piece of the puzzle while he gives someone else the other piece. I think this happens often, for example, in Christian marriage relationships, where God communicates in one way or another to both parties to make His will known. Or maybe in the context of the local church, God moves in the hearts of multiple members of the leadership and congregants so they can pursue a given course of action in unity and confidence. Let's keep reading and see what God was showing Peter in this vision. Back to verse 11 now, and moving on. And he saw heaven opened and a certain container descending to him, like a great sheet let down by four corners on the earth, of which were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild animals, reptiles, and birds of the sky. A voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Though Peter was saved and regenerated by God's Spirit, his old tendencies still surfaced from time to time. He said, Not so, Lord. Guys, let's think about this. 
Jesus is Lord. If someone calls another Lord, then he should submit to what his Lord commands. Jesus said, How do you call me Lord, and yet do not do what I tell you? Peter tried to stop Jesus from going to the cross in Matthew 16, where Jesus had to tell him, Get behind me, Satan. Also in John 13, Peter initially refused to let Jesus wash his feet. And here, he's repulsed by what the Lord instructs, saying, Not so, Lord. Yes, Peter was still at times a bit stubborn, but Jesus was patient with him, as he's patient with us. Praise God, Jesus is patient with us when we too at times are slow to submit. When pride overtakes us, when we think we know better than God. In a sense, I find it encouraging to be reminded that even saved believers like the great apostle Peter stumbled from time to time. If there's grace for Peter, there's grace for all of us. And to be completely honest, I can somewhat sympathize with Peter here in that God was asking him to do something that went against his intuition, conscience, and convictions based on a lifetime of tradition and concepts stemming from old covenant practices. I think in this instance, Peter just needed some clarification. God was asking Peter to eat animals, some of which were forbidden to eat in the Mosaic law because they were designated as unclean. Eating those foods would make a Jew ritually unclean. According to old covenant language, one who was holy or consecrated would become ritually unclean or desecrated if he came into contact with something that was common or unclean. The person could only be made holy again through a ritual cleansing. According to Peter's understanding, eating those animals made him unclean. Justified by faith 
are not counted as a gift, but as his due. To the one who does not work, but trust him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted as righteousness. God is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We are justified by faith, apart from works of the law. By working their way So we also have believed In the gift we have received We can do nothing but believe To be justified by faith Justified by faith Yeah Justified by faith That was Justified by Faith from the Adams Road album Great Commission.
This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next episode as we examine Acts chapter 10, verses 11 through 29. Grace and peace be with you all.